Grace and peace be with you from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I used to have a, a professor at seminary, and he used to always say the phrase, God is God, and you are not. It was his little catchphrase, if you will. But he wasn't the only one that ever said it. I mean, I've heard it before, and I've heard it in other places. So I know he wasn't the creative one that invented the whole idea of God is God, and you are not. But it wasn't just that phrase, though, either. It was when he used it. It was how he used it. You see, all too often when we speak about theology, when we get into theology, we begin to dig in, all too often it becomes this abstract thought. This thought that's somewhere over here, but it doesn't really impact our lives. But then there are those moments. Those moments in time when God comes crashing into your world. Where you are confronted with the reality that there is a God and you're not Him. Sometimes those things are true blessings. We think of the, the birth of a child when everybody told us that the child would never be born and all of a sudden we find ourselves thinking, wow, our Lord is good. He has blessed us. But then there's those other times as well when we find ourselves looking out at destruction. We find ourselves looking out at calamity and we are reminded that the God, our God, is almighty. He is all there is, there was, and ever shall be. And He is God, and we are not. Sometimes, when we see this kind of calamity, we, we, watch, about, we watch about it on the television. You know, we see it, the news reports, and whenever it happens to, to come up. And at times, when we do that, we can find ourselves wondering, kind of in the back of our mind, I wonder what that person did to deserve that. What did, they, what did they do that they received this? And when we find ourselves in that mindset, when we find ourselves kind of going down that road where we're starting to place things in categories based on how well they lived or, or what they did or how they did, we find ourselves in a very similar position to those people that came up to talk to Jesus. So this group of people comes up to talk to Jesus, and they want to know about a certain event. It's an event in their history, Jewish history. A group of Galileans were in the temple preparing the sacrifice. Now, this is not typical. A lot of times it was only the priests that were allowed in there during those times, which makes us think that this is probably around Passover time that this is taking place. One of the few times that they're allowed in there, that they're allowed to work and prepare the sacrifice, when they're allowed to, to, to work in that way. And that's what they're doing. And all of a sudden, Pilate. Yes, that Pilate. Now, to be honest, we don't have a lot of, of external historical sources that give us a whole lot of detail about this. We know that at the time that Christ is crucified, that Pilate is walking on eggshells a little bit around the Jewish people. And we know this because there was apparently some instances in his past where he did something to really upset them. This is probably one of those scenarios that he really upset the Jewish people. Because you see... 
as much as usually it's priests that prepare the sacrifice, Gentiles are absolutely, positively never allowed into the temple, especially the temple. But Pilate, Pilate flexes his military strength. Pilate sends soldiers in to kill these Galilean men. And their blood mingles with the very blood of the sacrifice. And so these people come up to Jesus and they want to know why. They want to know what happened. What horrible thing did these people do that they deserved this? That they deserved this horrible, horrible thing. And you get their logic. You get it. We kind of do it the same way. We kind of put things into categories and and wonder who did what to make them deserve this, that, and the next thing. But even more, when we read through the history of Israel, it even still makes even more sense. Even Paul talks about the sin of those of Israel in ancient times when they were in the wilderness for 40 years and God laid their bodies among the floor of the wilderness, scattered through 40 years. We get it. We understand. They're placing things into categories. They want to know. They want to know what happened. They want to know why. And so they talk to Jesus. But Jesus doesn't quite answer the way they anticipate. Jesus doesn't say, oh, well, here's the list of sins and and just don't do these. These are really bad. And if you do this over here, you're really good. He doesn't say that. He doesn't quite give them that. Instead, Jesus calls all of them to repent. He calls all of them to turn from their sin, to turn from their wicked ways. And to walk in the light of the Lord. It's a message for them at that moment. But it's also a message for us. All too often. We find ourselves walking away from the Lord. Sometimes not even realizing it. God is calling on us. He's calling on them. But he's calling on you. He's calling on me. To repent. To turn from our sins. As we reflect in our daily life, as we pray, as we meditate, we will find that we have sinned. For each of us, we're going to have sins that maybe the other person wouldn't, but at the same time, we all have sin in our lives. We all have ways in which we have walked away from the Word of God. We all have those ways in which we have ignored what our Lord has taught us, what our Lord has commanded us, that we have walked in such a way That leads us away. For that is what sin is. That is what sin does. And so we are called upon to repent. To turn from our sins. And to walk in the way of the Lord. To walk in the light of his gospel. To walk in the light of his word. Calamities in this world are still going to happen. They're still going to take place. But you see, I love this. There's a reason that our ancient forefathers placed right at the end of the Lord's Prayer, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. For so it is. God does hold the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Our God is almighty. Our God is all there is and was and ever shall be. 
But our God is also directing us towards something that is beyond this world. It's not, this world is not the end point. This world is not what we look for. We live in a world corrupted by sin from the fall of Adam and Eve. Our Lord directs us towards a kingdom, His kingdom. The true kingdom of God, heaven and earth, a new heavens and a new earth, as it is called throughout Holy Scripture, our Lord calls to us a place where He is the light and where He Himself reveals all the glory. Our Lord calls us to this place. He gives us a glimpse of this place through His resurrection. On the third day, He rose from the dead in a glorified form. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the dead and directs us to something that is more, something that is beyond this sinful world, something that is beyond a world filled with calamity and sin. And so we rejoice. We rejoice that we do have an almighty Lord, a Lord that is beyond us, a Lord that is all there is and was and ever shall be who has saved us, not through our own work and our own doing, but through the very work of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his name. Amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds 